Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Again, I know this is different, um, but your ability to adapt and adjust and and to, to follow the Spirit as He directs the church You know, these are hard days, but yet these are beautiful days too, you know. And we've always said big enough to reach the world, but small enough to feel like home. And man, that really means something now when you're at the house. Can I have a good amen? And uh, so from this living room here in this studio to your living room at your house, we just sense the Spirit of God connecting us. And I just want to say what an honor it is to be able to share this experience with you. Uh, Of course, we have so many campuses that are joining us. We have neighborhoods and communities and watch parties. Thank you for being with us. Interesting statistics. I want you to catch this. Last Sunday, you know, actually with the team, we kind of had this idea. And then in 24 hours, we were able to execute it. I want to give a big shout out to the creative team, the production team, the worship team. You got an amazing staff. You really do. Amazing, amazing, gifted, anointed, and talented. But in about a 24-hour period from the idea to the execution of that, we were able to to not only have church but be the church. And um, last Sunday, over 28,800 people across all of our platforms tuned in to what God is doing through HPC. I think that's pretty special. Um, You know, you discover something about yourself. You discover something about who God is. And uh, so thank you for taking the journey with us. Many of you have been uh, watching devotionals that our our pastors and our team are able to give out. Um, You know, I think last week we averaged almost 5,500 viewers each and every day. So there's just a hunger for the Word of God. And um, I thank you for your, your passion for the things of God and allowing us to be a part of that in your life, you know. Um, in all honesty, I'm getting a little antsy, you know. Uh, I thought about you. I thought about the church. First of all, I just miss seeing your face. Man, I just miss your face. I want to hug you, you know. I, I just, man, when all this is over, I'm going to do a big stage dive and somebody better catch me. I'm going to get all up in your grill. And um, man, I just, you know, I, I miss seeing the family being together. But uh, the other thing I've really had a, just a stirring in my own soul is just, uh, you know, HPC was never built to sit still. You know, we're a church that's on the move and on the go, and you've done that so well. Um, one of the things I felt God drop in my heart this week as, as I was praying is how we can help, you know, help, H-E-L-P. How can we help? And I want to give you this little, uh, this little acronym. To, to, I want you to think about this and get this in, in your spirit, and I think, you know, you'll see the power of it, H-E-L-P. First of all, we've got to think about hygiene. You know, you, you have to be smart. Wash your hands. Wash your hands. Pay attention to, to the distance that you have between other people. If you don't feel good, stay home. But be a good steward of your body. The H stands for hygiene. We have to keep that health issue, you know, in front of us. But the E stands for encouragement. 
You know, I think this is so important that we encourage ourselves in the Lord and that we also encourage other people. Be mindful of the world around you. Speak words of life. Send a text. Call somebody. Check on people. Don't be so self-absorbed and, man, the world's coming to an end. No, it's not. You know, God's got us. He's with us. He's for us. And so, yes, we're thinking about hygiene, but, man, we're going to receive encouragement. We're going to give encouragement. But the L stands for love. And this is perhaps my favorite because, church, you do this so well. There's so many different ways to express the love of God. Pastor David mentioned some of the outreach that we've been able to do this week in the hospitals. You know, we're going to be serving meals at our North Baton Rouge campus. We're going to do this thing called Feed the Need, delivering groceries to the elderly and to the families that are that are in need, uh, lawn care for widows, prayer groups for people, writing thank you notes to, to grocery store employees. You know, there's even a group of ladies that are, are sewing to repair surgical masks. You know, it's just amazing to think about all the different things we can do, instead of thinking about what you're not able to do, focus on what you can do and do that with a great spirit of excellence. So the L is about love, but then finally the P, and this is probably the most important, but we got to pray. You know, prayer moves the hands that move the world. You know, and we believe that our God is in control. And so I wanted to set that in front of you. We're going to be a church that helps people. Come on, somebody say help. And let's be that in this hour. I really think this could be, as a church, one of our greatest hours if we surrender our circumstances to the Lord and let him minister through us. Amen. Are you ready to get in the word today? Come on, try not to touch three people, but say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say this after me. Say, I'm here. Not because I have to be, but because I want to be. It's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's a Jesus thing. Say, I'm not perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know that I know. Come on, say, we're not perfect, but we serve the one who is. Say, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Help me not to leave like I came in Jesus' name. Now, come on, if you believe that, put your 10-string instrument together today. Fantastic, fantastic. Again, I'm going to do my best to stay in this stool, but I can't make any promises, all right? Uh, I want to bring you a word that I think is going to be super, super helpful. And God kind of dropped this in my spirit um, after what we discussed in Psalm 91 last Sunday. It's a great chapter. All of our devotions lined up with that. I really feel like we've got the spirit of that. I want to move forward in that same spirit. And I want to talk to you out of the life of Job. Okay. And the title for the message today is simply this, Stuck in the Middle. Stuck in the Middle. How many know sometimes being in the middle can be a tough thing? Come on, talk to me. We've got a handful in this studio right now, but six of us are going to sound like 6,000. Come on, glory. Stuck in the middle. I thought about, you know, I'm a middle child. Uh, how many middle, middle children do we have? Okay, got a couple of us in here. Middle. I married a middle child. Rachel, she is the middle. You know, my, my parents, uh, the, the, my older sister, I mean, she was the firstborn, got all the attention. She's so amazing, amazing. You know, and then my little sister, she's the caboose, man. They just spoiled her rotten. But as middle children, sometimes we feel overlooked. Some of you, that's helping you understand your pastor a little bit better. Um, you know, being in the middle can be tough. Have you ever been in the middle of a fight? 
Come on now. You ever had to separate kids? Come on, all of you parents that are homeschooling your kids this week. Hey, look, this is funny, for real. I was talking to somebody this week, and, and they were home, you know, talking about homeschooling. And I said, hey, how, how's it going for you? How are your kids doing? I know you're not a teacher by trade, but you know, how, how's the homeschooling thing going? And he said, terrible. He said, I've already had to suspend two children, and I had to fire the teacher for drinking on the job. <laughs> Oh, man. hey, all of you teachers, we love you. Oh, come on, somebody say, God bless the teachers. Listen, since they've canceled the professional sports, I think they ought to take some of those athlete salaries and give them to you. Come on, talk to me. Uh, being in the middle can be tough. Sometimes, you know, if you've been on an airplane, you ever got that middle seat? Oh, sweet Jesus. You got to fight over that armrest. You know, there's certain kind of, if you can get there and then kind of, Claim your space, you know, being in the middle on an airplane is tough. I thought about this. If you have ever run a race, how many has ever run a race? You know, we recently had the, the Jordan Gotro 5K. Oh, man, that's a long run, 3.1 miles, okay? Now, I do good at, at the beginning. I got all my energy. And, of course, crossing the finish line, man, you know, people cheering you on, that's awesome. But where we miss it is in the middle. How many know it's hard in the middle of the race? Hey, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. You know, I've been cooped up in the house too long. Um, yeah, so at the end of the 5K, I fall across the finish line. I'm exhausted, you know. And so, I, you know, I went back to Rachel. She was there with, with the kids. And, you know, I was expecting like, hey, girl, hey, hey, what's up, your man? You saw, what, you saw what your man did. She said, baby, when you run, your booty is so far behind the rest of your body he looked like your dad. <laughs> I love it. Baby, I love you, girl. You, I'm your hunk of hunk of burning love. Man, being stuck in the middle. You know, Job, Job is the story of a man. Now, I know a lot of us have had bad days, but nobody's had a worse day than Job. But yet nobody handled it better than Job. I think for those of us that are walking through times of crisis, Job is a great example of how to get from the middle of your mess to the finish line of God's best. Come on, did you catch that? From the middle of your mess to the finish line of God's best. Now, I'm going to give you four things. Here's, here's the roadmap for the conversation today. I want you to check this out. We're going to talk about what Job didn't know we're going to talk about what he knew. Then we're going to talk about what he did. And finally, we're going to see God's response. Okay, now I want you, I want you to see that again. We're going to talk about what he didn't know. Then we're going to talk about what he did know. And then from there, we're going to talk about what he did with what he knew. And then we're going to see God's response at the end. Read with me in Job chapter 1, starting with verse 6. The Bible says, one day, somebody say one day. one day. You know, one day can change everything, can it not? One doctor's report, one announcement, one discovery. One day, the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Now get this picture in your mind. This is fascinating insight into the heavenly realm. The Bible says that the members of the heavenly court came to present themselves before the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, came with them. Where have you come from? The Lord asked Satan. Satan answered the Lord, I've been patrolling the earth, watching everything that's going on. Look at verse 8. 
then the Lord asked Satan, have you noticed my servant Job? He's the finest man in all the earth. He's blameless, a man of complete integrity. He fears God and he stays away from evil. Satan replied to the Lord, yes, I see that. But Job has good reason to fear God. For you've always put a wall of protection around him and his home and his property. You've made him prosper in everything he does. Look how rich he is. But, verse 11, reach out, take away everything he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord says, all right, you may test him. Do whatever you want with everything he possesses, but don't harm him physically. So Satan left the Lord's presence. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Now notice here what Job didn't know. Notice what Job was not aware of. Job had no idea of the conversation between God and the devil. He didn't know it. Now, as readers, we have full context. We have complete understanding. Some of you are very familiar with the story of Job. Some of you, maybe if you're not the church-going kind, this is brand new information to you. But, but whatever the case is, we can read the story of Job in 42 chapters. In fact, I think scholars tell us that Job was one of the oldest books in the Bible. We know the story from beginning to end, yet Job had no context. Can I tell you something about crisis? Sometimes crisis comes without context. Sometimes you'll be in a situation or in a season and you have no clue as to the conversations that have happened before. You see, when you have context, you have understanding. We know what's about to happen and we can say, come on, Job. Job, you're going to be fine, Job. You got this, Job. Oh, Job, if you only knew. I mean, God is in control. The devil, he's got a little access, but he's restricted. He's limited. Come on. Now, see, we have context, so we have a different perspective. But when you don't have context and a crisis hits, then there are questions. There's confusion. Sometimes a crisis will cause you to question God. Sometimes we'll, we'll pin some things on the Lord. Well, God, why did you let this happen? Or, God, if you're good, well, why did this happen? And, you know, what's interesting to me is notice who volunteered Job for the test. It was God. In fact, the whole motivation for this, God is just bragging on Job. Hey, devil, get over here. Boy, where you been? Okay, well, can I t- have you noticed my servant Job, nobody's like him. Oh, he's amazing. He's the best. Now, Job doesn't know this is happening. But if I'm, aware, if I'm thinking, you know, I'm like, if I'm Job, I'm like, God, <laughs> Lord, I love you. I'm just minding my own business, staying in my lane. I'm not causing any trouble. But it's almost as if God is so pleased with Job that he volunteers Job for this incredible test. I love what Mother Teresa said. She said, I know God won't give me anything I can't handle. I just wish he wouldn't trust me so much. Okay, Lord, I know you love me and believe in me, but you know, sometimes I think we underestimate the strength and the power of God within us. You know, God said some pretty amazing things about Job, you know, but 
that was tested by the enemy. Some of you are being tested by the enemy right now. You know, what you'll find out in this first chapter is Job goes from living the dream to walking in a nightmare. I mean, in one day, somebody say one day. In one day, he had four bad reports, back to back to back to back. And each report was progressively worse. I mean, Job went from losing his cattle to losing his sheep to losing his camels to losing his children. I mean, everything began to fall apart. Some of you right now in your reality, you feel like things have gone from bad to worse. You know, in fact, you'll read in chapter two, there's a second test, you know, and and God allows the enemy to strike Job with boils. Now, this is the original Social distancing, okay? I know social distancing is the big thing right now. In fact, there were 200 million Google searches on social distancing. Trying to figure, I mean, it's such a massive health concern. Job has boils from the top of his head to the soles of his feet, and nobody wants anything to do with him. Back away, man. He's cursed. He's stricken of God. Man, we we don't want what he has, you know, the social distancing thing, is, it's tough. It's tough for me. It's tough for Louisiana. You know, it's tough for the church, man. So I run into a couple of you, and, man, when I see you, my instinct is to just hug you. And then it's kind of like, <laughs> hi. You know, we got to create this space so we can be healthy. And, you know, as a church, we're doing our best to figure out how to bridge the gap. Because the truth is, when you're hurting, you need spiritual community. It's what you need the most, but it's probably what you're warned of. Don't get close to anybody. Part of being a, a church in this context, church at home, is being able to bridge the gap, to get into your space, maybe not physically, but emotionally and spiritually. You know, I've discovered that proximity creates passion. Man, you'll be passionate about the things you're close to. Proximity creates passion, but sometimes distance creates distortion. Man, when we separate and isolate, sometimes we can get funky in the way that we think and entertain thoughts. Are you catching this? Distance creates distortion, but proximity brings a, a, a passion. And here Job now, he's stricken with boils. It's gone from bad to worse, and he had no clue of the conversation that God had with the devil. You see, that's what Job didn't know. But let me tell you what he knew. Job 19, verse 25, the Bible says this. Job is speaking, and he says, but as for me, come on, somebody say, for me. me. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about other people. I can't speak for others. But as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And he will stand upon the earth at last after my body has decayed. Come on, this body one day will go into the ground. Even though this body may decay, yet in my body I will see God. You see, here's what Job knew. Here's what he knew. He knew that his Redeemer lived. I like it. This may be one of the first times in Scripture that God is referred to as the Redeemer. I know that, notice the capital R, Redeemer. You know what the word redeem means? It means to make it count. It means to convert into something of value. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Hear me, church. 
you serve a God who's going to make this moment count in your life. He's going to convert this experience into something of value. You feel like time is wasted and moments are forgotten and, man, I'm losing money and I'm, I'm questioning the, 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 the future. God is our redeemer, and he's going to make this count. You see, Job knew ahead of time. He had already decided. There are three things that Job had decided ahead of time. This is what he knew, and the first is this. Number one, God is good. He had already made up his mind that the character and nature of God would not be subject to his circumstances. You see, sometimes we evaluate God through the nature of what we're experiencing. And if we're walking through bad times, we think that he's not a good God. But the, the opposite is really should be our perspective. We ought to evaluate our circumstances based on the character and nature of God. You know what? God is good even though bad things still happen. God allowed these things to happen to Job, but it didn't make God a bad God. And I want you to know, you may be in a bad place, but you still serve a good God. And you need to know that you know, just like Job, my God, he is a good God. I know that my Redeemer lives. Somebody say, God is good. Come on, say all the time. Come on, say all the time. God is good. You see, that's what Job knew. You know what else he knew? He knew that God was sovereign. God is sovereign. Even when your world is out of control, God is still in control. Oh, I, want, I just feel the peace of Jesus in speaking that over you. I, I really do. Because when you make up your mind that God is in control, even in moments of chaos and this whole pandemic, you know, everybody's scratching their head. You've got professionals and government leaders. I mean, all these global powers, everybody trying to figure this thing out. Can I tell you this? God has never once scratched his head and thought, oh, my God. Oh, wait, that's me. Oh, my God. What am I going to do? No, 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 no. God has hovered over chaos from the beginning. God, and you need to just settle in your fact, not only settle in your soul, not only the fact that he's good, but settle the fact that he is sovereign. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your hand and place it on your heart right now. Come on, right there in your living room, right there with your family and friends. Put, put your hand on your heart, and I want you to consider this. In fact, I want you to say this. Say, no fear lives here. Come on, say that again. Say, no fear lives here. Mm, you need to say that over your spirit. No fear dwells here. Why? Because God is in control. I know that my Redeemer lives. Number one, he's good. Number two, he's sovereign. And number three, he is trustworthy. This is what Job knew. I can trust him. Can I tell you this? You can trust God even when you can't track him. You can trust him when there's no trace of him. Lord, I trust you. You're good, you're sovereign, and you are trustworthy. In fact, Job goes on to say these words. In the middle, okay, this is the middle of his mess. Job says in Job 13, 15, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Though he slay me, Lord, even if it's in your purpose for me to die, I will trust you till my dying breath. You see, you can trust God even when there's no trace of him. Job made these decisions 
ahead of time. And if you lock this into your spirit ahead of time, it will help you through any crisis. I tell you, I just really felt this for the people of God. Again, not that we're better than anybody. We're not. God doesn't make me better than you. God makes me better than me, okay? We belong to the Lord, but what distinguishes us from people of this world is we know who our hope is, and our hope is not even in this world. It's in Christ. So there ought to be a different spirit that we carry than others. We know that he's good. We know that he's sovereign. We know that he's trustworthy, and we make these decisions ahead of time. You got to pre-decide. You know what I'm saying? If you wait till a crisis hits in order to try to navigate this, it's too late. It's too late. You know, there's some things you're going to have to decide in advance. I, I, I made a quick list. You know, when I go to the grocery store, I have to pre-decide what I'm going to buy. Otherwise, I'm going to buy a whole lot of stuff that I don't need. Rachel, send me to the store. She's sending me with a list. Come on, somebody, because I'm going to see that chocolate milk and put it in the back. Come on, everybody say, God bless. Chocolate milk. I don't need it, but it makes me happy, okay? I'm going to spend money that I don't have to buy things that I don't need. If I don't have a list, i got to pre-decide. You know, I don't know if you've ever been a part of, you know, maybe a timeshare. Have you ever? I remember Rachel and I first got married. We got this cheap, cheap, cheap vacation. And, uh, but there was kind of this deal where you had to sit through a presentation. You know, you get those almost free vacations. And, man, when you're broke, like, no joke. And, man, we had no kids. And, man, let, let's go. Yeah. So we, we, we went on this little vacation, but we had to sit through, like, a three-hour presentation to, to buy this timeshare. And Rachel and I, we decided ahead of time, I don't care what that person says. We ain't buying it. How many know if you don't decide ahead of time, you're going to end up with a piece of property in Tahiti? Come on, somebody. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta pre-decide. If you're on a diet, come on, talk to me. You gotta decide in advance. You know you're taking the kids to the birthday party. You know there's gonna be cupcakes there, but you gotta decide in advance. I'm gonna eat this celery. Come on now. I'm gonna put that gluten-free snack in my purse. Otherwise, I'm gonna eat every cupcake I see. You gotta decide in advance. Listen to me, students. You cannot wait until the day of the test in order to start studying. How many know it's too late? You've got to decide. Job knew that he knew that he knew that his Redeemer lived. So when the test came, it didn't make the test easy. Listen, there's nothing easy about what we're walking through, but we're convinced in our soul because we know what we know about God. So what Job didn't know was the conversation with God and the devil. What he did know, God is good. He's sovereign and he's trustworthy. And so look at what Job did. Okay, here's, I want to bring this home based on what he knew. Here's what he did. Look at what it says in verse 20. Job stood up. He gets the news. He stood up. He tore his robe in grief. Then he shaved his head and he fell to the ground to worship. Now notice Job is full of emotions and feelings. I'm not saying that you ignore your feelings. You got to embrace your feelings, but then you got to live by faith. Look at what he did after he tore his robe and look at the emotions falling to the ground. The Bible says he worshiped. Verse 21, he said, I came naked from my mother's womb. I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name 
of the Lord. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. Notice Job's response. Listen, this is amazing. That's why I think, again, nobody's had a worse day than Job, but nobody's responded better. This is such a great example for us in the midst of crisis. You know what he did? First of all, he worshiped. Job said, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, worshiping God in, in, a, in the midst of a crisis, it's probably one of the toughest things to do, but it's one of the most powerful things you can do. You know, worship is all about what you put first in your life. I want you to consider this, too, and, and I'm not a gloom and doom guy. I promise you I'm not. But I really sense in my spirit that God is using this moment to really shake some things up. He's using this to get people's attention. You know, worship is about putting God first. Can I tell you, he tells us not to have any idols, don't serve any gods before me. You know, some of the gods of our culture are now starting to crumble. You know, think about we idolize sports. You know, uh, we, we, we pursue money. Um, we love pleasure. Guess what's happening? There are professional seasons that are being canceled. When it comes to money, look at the stock market. Man, look at the uncertainty. Look at the economy that's being put on the pressure. God says, no other gods before me. When it comes to pleasure, you know, bars are shutting down and casinos and movie theaters, all these things that that we think is going to bring us pleasure. And God says, listen, sports won't do it. Money won't do it. Pleasure won't do it. I am God and God alone. And so we worship him. We set our focus on the Lord. That's what Job did. Let me tell you this. You can sanitize your hands all you want to, but God wants a pure heart. He longs for purity in our heart. Now, look, keep washing your hands. Now, don't stop washing your hands. He wants clean hands, but he longs for a pure heart. And, man, when we worship him, man, we worship him in spirit and in truth. Oh, I love this. You know, you can't expect a full-time God with a part-time commitment. God is getting the attention of the church. He's speaking to the community, and he's saying, I am your source. Job responded with worship. You know what else he did? He filtered out wrong voices. Okay? Now, think about this. When all of this stuff started going down in Job's life, you know what his wife told him? (laughs) His wife said, Job, you might as well just curse God and die. How many of you like to be married to that? What? I mean, in Job's worst moment, she's telling him, just curse God and just give up. Oh, my goodness. You know what I love about my spouse? Rachel, she speaks life to me. Sometimes she reminds me, hey, look, you are a man of God. You are anointed with the Spirit of God. You have the Word of God in you. I mean, she starts talking to me, and I'm like, okay, okay. Look, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm about to run right now. Uh, I, I, listen to me. Uh, husbands and wives, you know one of the best gifts that you can give your spouse is the power of spoken belief. Speak life to your spouse. Speak life to your children. Job, what would have happened if Job had he listened to his wife? Curse God and die. You know what? His friends weren't any better. 
His friends come to him and they start blaming him, saying, man, well, there's got to be sin in your life. Obviously, all of this has happened to you because of the sin in your life. Listen to me. Be careful. Be careful of people that always attach tragedy to sin. Be careful. Sometimes we get mixed messages in here and, man, oh, wait a second. You're going to have to filter out some of that stuff. If Job had listened to his friends, he would have given up. If he would have listened to his spouse, he would have given up. Some of you need to filter some of these voices that you've allowed to come into your thinking. Uh, he worshiped God. He filtered out wrong voices. But then here's the, here's the last thing I want you to recognize. Job kept moving forward. And, and here's what you need to do with what you know. You need to keep moving forward. In fact, one of my favorite verses, and this doesn't get a lot of attention in the story of Job, but in Job 17, verse 9, I, I love this verse. Job declares this in the middle of his mess. He says, the righteous will keep moving forward and the pure in heart will get stronger and stronger. Do you see that? Oh, man, that is so good. Oh, he says the righteous will keep moving forward and the pure in heart will get stronger and stronger. Church, hear your pastor. Hear this from the very center of my soul. Keep moving forward. Oh, man, don't stop now. You're in the middle don't get stuck in the middle because you just stopped stepping. you got to have the best day you can have today. Okay, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Can I tell you this? Win the moment that's in front of you right now. Just break this thing down moment by moment, day by day. You know what's going to get you through a crisis? is those godly habits that keep you grounded. Keep moving forward. Win the moment now. Don't worry about tomorrow. I don't know what the stock market is going to do. I don't know what the latest uh, presidential announcement is going to be from the White House, what the CDC is saying, and, you know, the governor's proclamation. And thank God for all of it. But look, I can't worry about tomorrow. I got to live today. And I got to take that next step that's in front of me. You know, this weekend I, I did something. And this will just show you, and I'm just as human as you are. I'm telling you, I fight the same things you fight. I've been battling some stuff. You know, this week, I was getting this cabin fever. I got to get out. I love you. I love y'all. love all the Hamans. I need some space. And so I just had to clear my head. So I drove to the church, okay? Again, this is all about, you know, winning the moment that, that's in front of you and taking the next step. I, I drove to the church, and I didn't tell anybody, you know, but I had to come to this property. We got 56 acres here at our Highland campus. It's a beautiful piece of property. And it's like God just placed his hand on this space and said, I want to use this for my kingdom. And we get to be a part of that. And so, so I came to the church, and I just wanted to walk the property because I had to get my mind right. You know, I, I really did. I, I needed a, a change of place and a change of pace to get a change of perspective. And so I just started walking the property. And you know what? There, there are a couple people that were up here doing the same thing. So, man, I just started walking and talking. I and mean, we were praying. Of course, we were keeping our space, keeping our distance, you know, trying to honor the, uh, the authorities and all the recommendations. But I just started praying and 
And when I started praying, I was thinking of you. I, I was thinking of, of your family. And, and I just started interceding for, for, for your children and for your own health and for your future. And I, I felt such a burden because I know that people carry so much. And with all the uncertainty, what about my 401K and the stock market? And, you know, some of you got laid off. I, I talked to my mom this week. She got laid off from her job. You know, some of you wonder, how are we going to make ends meet? And so I just begin to pray. I prayed for you. And, and you know what's interesting? Every step that I took, I felt like I was getting stronger and stronger. I didn't start strong, but let me tell you, I finished strong. Man, by the time I got back in my vehicle, I felt like, baby, we fixing to charge hell with a water pistol. Come on, man. God, you've got this. You've got me. You've got my family. I prayed for our staff. I prayed for our leaders. I prayed for all of our volunteers. I was hearing reports about, man, the things that we were doing, bringing snacks into the hospital. And, man, our kids were writing thank you notes to, to the medical professionals. And, man, just getting testimony after testimony. And I said, Lord, I thank you that you are. You know what's amazing? And so there's a, a whole other group of guys. As I was marching around the perimeter, the 56 acres of our property, there was another group of guys that was marching around the church. I mean, it was like Jericho March, man. And with every step, I just felt like we kept getting stronger. We kept getting stronger. We're going to do what's in front of us one step at a time. Listen, you cannot quarantine the Holy Ghost. Now, I know there's some physical parameters here. Man, you know, all we see is the natural, but we don't know the conversation God has been having up in heaven. Come on now. We lack context, but I'm telling you what we don't. If we only knew what God knows, what's heaven been saying about as it relates to you? Have you considered Healing Place Church? Hey, have you considered my people down there in Baton Rouge, over in St. Francisville, out in Denham Springs? Have you seen my people in Mozambique and Swaziland? Look at Healing in place. Boy, those are my people. I'm going to take care of my people. If we only knew what heaven was saying over us, we wouldn't stop stepping. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, so what was God's response? What did God do? Job didn't know the conversation in heaven. He did know that his Redeemer lives. So he worshiped, he filtered out some craziness, but man, he kept moving forward. Here's what God did. You ready? Job 42.10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. And in fact, God gave him twice as much. Come on, somebody say double. double. Come on, say double. double. I believe God will give you double for your trouble. The Bible says God gave him twice as much as before. Mm-mm-mm-mm. My, 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 my. I don't know how long his struggle was. We don't know if it was weeks, if it was months, if it was years. I do know this. Job wasn't in self-pity. You know why? Because he's praying for his friends. The Bible says when Job prayed for his friends, then the Lord began to restore. You know, there's so many questions right now. Mike, how long is this going to last? Some of you wonder, okay, am I going to get sick? Some of you question, what's going to happen with my finances? Am I going to run out of money? Some of you are asking, how in the world will I manage this? Listen, we don't know because we're in the middle. But God knows how to get us from the messy middle to the best at the end. He's going to get us to the very end. And I promise you this, church, we're coming out better. 
in the way that we started. Do you receive that today? Come on, can you put your hands together? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.